Welcome back to the All Access USL podcast. Don't even know what episode we're on now. We're in the 40s. We're moving up. Feels great. 41. He did, uh, Noah just put it up. Uh, <laughs> and we have them back, of course. Say hello, Noah. Yep. What's up? Another another episode going into the books. It's uh, a dynamic duo at this point. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's plain and simple. Um, We have another weekend in the books. We are sticking with the same layout for today of we're each just going to pick about a game or two um, for the second half of the episode, because honestly, there has other than the games this weekend, there has not been much to talk about. So second half of the episode, obviously, we've got Open Cup coming up uh, again soon. So we might jump into that a little bit or we probably will. But also, we might take a little look into expansion. Obviously, we have some teams coming into the league as soon as next season with Rhode Island. Um, and currently it's only three teams because Queensboro is a bit up in the air. So we thought it would be fun to take a little look at some team uh, or some areas even that might fit the build for a USL championship team and maybe even some championship teams who are on the brink of moving on. I'm sure there's two or three that come to mind for everybody listening. But to be completely honest, there might be some surprises to what we say and what we see. So... We're going to jump into games for this first half, however. Uh, what do you have for us, Noah? What do you have for us today? What game are you looking at to start? So I think the the first game, and it's probably, I think, the most surprising game so far this year, the most, I guess, shocking result we've seen to date so far, and that was Las Vegas winning their first, <laughs> their first yeah. Of the season. I mean, uh, it's it's that man again. I mean, I don't think it could have been anyone else because I, you know, no, no other uh, person really has a cutting edge on that team, or at least in the final 20 minutes, that lineup that was out there, nobody really had the cutting edge to to finish that that header. Uh, it's Kubo, of course. And, you know, it couldn't, it couldn't have been anyone else. And he just he just made a great run. It's a great ball, too, by the way, uh, in Honestly, though, Fenmayor, he did mistime his jump, so it's bad defending in that aspect. But also, I think for Phoenix, man, super unlucky, so many chances, and just it it didn't go in. And that's that's USL Championship at its finest, I think. Uh, you can have all those chances, but if you don't capitalize, even if you hit the bar twice, you're going to pay the price. Yeah. So even against a team like Las Vegas, because anything can happen. It feels wrong or not wrong, it just feels like a team like Phoenix would probably be the most disappointed to give Las Vegas their first win of the season. I mean, this is a Las Vegas or a Phoenix team looking to build, and this is a game that you cannot lose if you're looking to build. And it feels also, right, like you said, that Kubo Torres scores this because he has not been starting as of recent. And we talked about in the last episode that maybe – or at least I put out a post on Instagram we talked about in the last episode that another option up top might be a good option just in general because he is not starting and he was supposed to be to some extent the striker for them. But now it works out. They get their first one of the season. But to be completely honest, I'm not sure how far it takes them. But also, uh, despite Kubotor's getting the goal, this was the game that I was able to catch the most of um this past weekend, Tabor Taka looked electric down that right side for most of the game. I mean, Danny Trejo for Phoenix and Tabor Taka 
were just absolutely breaking lines just with their runs, not even necessarily good passing. I mean, they did have good passes. I mean, I know Danny Trejo had one pass in the first half that was pretty on foot. That was just unbelievable that um, whoever it was on the end of it could not get it down and score it. But two great creators, and it seems like Tabor Tataka was able to get it done on that day, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another person that isn't that's going to be quite overlooked in this in this win for Las Vegas is Leo Diaz because he came out with like I think probably two just massive saves. One, one I think was deflected by the defender, and then he did make a kick save. But overall, he commanded his 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 uh his box really well, and he probably saved uh those three points for Las Vegas if he doesn't make those. Saves. Yeah. I think we talked about Leo Diaz, I think, to some extent as well in the last episode and just like how much of a revelation he's been. But we also talked about Rocco Rios Novo and catching this game. They put out a stat that he was the save leader heading into this game. 39 saves. That shows that while he is a top goalkeeper in this league to help Phoenix stay in these games, his back line probably is not helping him out. He's They're putting them under... They're putting him under a lot of pressure because uh, like, obviously on one end of that stat, you have a good goalkeeper if he's making those saves and keeping them away. But you also have a defense who is, like I said, putting them a lot under a lot of pressure, allowing those chances. So I think we saw those chances get the better of Phoenix tonight. And they just didn't have an answer, which against a Las Vegas defense is pretty, pretty impressive (laughs) to be completely fair to them. Yeah, and I and I do think Phoenix catches Las Vegas at a time when it's like Phoenix they're going to give up goals at some point, and you know Rocco Rios Novo isn't going to come to the rescue for you every time. There's only so much you can do, and so then they catch a uh, a Las Vegas team that hasn't won in like over two hundred days, uh, almost three hundred, I think. Right. And yeah, it it was it just <laughs> felt bound to happen. Uh, and it did happen. And, you know, like going into the 70th minute, I was like, the game is so wide open right now. Anything can happen. But then it was kind of just like the the transitional moment. And also Fuenmayor picking up the yellow also didn't help as well. So talk about putting pressure on your goalkeeper, even without a card. You get a card as a center back. That is uh, that's not ideal. Yeah. Um. I'm very, I just plain and simple, very surprised at this game. Las Vegas still sit bottom of the West, which is, it's very difficult, but it's good to get their first win. Um, We've seen a lot of team, we, or not necessarily, I was going to say Hartford kind of came to life after their first win. Not really. Um, Maybe Las Vegas will be the team this year who really jumpstart after a good spell, which right now their good spell is just one game. I'm not really sure I'm sold. I jokingly said Las Vegas for the cup between us. Um, as much as I would like to have fun with that, I don't know. What What do you think? Do you think there's anything to look forward to? Like, obviously, a win is a good point right now if you've gone winless in, like, 12 games. But how far does this really take you? Uh, I just I just don't think it takes me far enough. Uh, cause I just think Las Vegas, they still have so many holes and I think it, it's, but it's, it's good to win. Right. Cause yeah, you, need, you need, you need that feeling. 
Uh, if you if you don't have that feeling, the 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 manager could, could lose the locker room potentially, and 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 all that stuff. So, but I think Phoenix, for the long run, this is uh, a building block for for the for the for the for the identity they want to try and build necessarily. And but even though I don't, even though they won, I just don't think it's going to be enough to really propel them into like contention into a playoff spot or anything like that or fight for that eighth eighth spot or whatever so i think yeah. it doesn't really do much yeah i think at this point about 12 games into the season they're they're gonna average about four wins by the end of the year if this keeps up which is not good they'll probably if that if that were to happen that'd probably be about 25 ish points regarding that the draws that they have now so they're they're on pace to be the oakland athletics of the usl so uh... <laughs> Yeah. That's never good. And we're not saying the fan base or like uh, and the ownership or anything like right. that. It's just they're not looking too hot, right? Yeah. So definitely. Win on the board. That's good. Um, for my first game, I've picked Detroit Birmingham. They do it again. They do it again. Um, it's still seven goals on the season, but that defense is really working overtime now. More so than it had been and i i said earlier to be completely fair a couple episodes ago i wasn't necessarily concerned with their defensive capabilities we know it's there they just had to find it and now they're not necessarily also relying on wonder goals i think that's good they're actually building they're building play yeah that was that was not uh it wasn't like a cheap eagle but it wasn't like 30 yards out, just an absolute rocket into the back of the net, breaks the back of the net. Right. It was like very – it was technical for sure, but it was also pretty close up and it was very well worked for for once from, from Detroit City. <laughs> and, of course, it was Maxi Rodriguez because I don't think anyone else on that team finishes that aside from Maxi Rodriguez. Right. And I think just Nate, Nate Steinwasher again, just, you know, he's he's really good. Uh, not 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 a whole lot to say in that aspect because I think we all kind of know, even though the defense is being a little stretched thin sometimes that back line, we know what they're capable of, and so I think they're finally starting to showcase that, and they're earning these hardened results, and I think they're pretty deserved. Yeah. Also, a big shout out Stephen Carroll, goal line clearance, absolutely fantastic. Good wherewithal to just be there. I think that shows a lot of the growth of this Detroit defense now more than ever is that they just seem more aware. Like a couple of games ago, they're cut open. That goal goes in because there's nobody on the line. No one is paying attention and they go on to lose this game three. nil. but Stephen Carroll is on the line now um, and they win it one nil. And I also think that they have been not necessarily against San Antonio. San Antonio easily could have cut them apart if Detroit let them. But for this game, they're lucky enough to have um, caught Birmingham at a bad time to where they've lost, like, I believe it's like four or five games now in their past six or seven in the league. Obviously, they're doing well in the Open Cup, but now to catch Birmingham here, who have not tasted a win in the league for a while, it's huge. And it, it definitely boosts Detroit. And Birmingham now fall to like fifth in the East. I don't do you do you think that there is major concern for Birmingham? Because to me there is. They started so hot and now it's like 
It's like El Paso last year. El Paso shifted all of their bad energy to Birmingham this year. <laughs> uh, yeah, El Paso is just becoming the new the new Birmingham, and Birmingham are becoming the new El Paso. But I think overall, Birmingham, they just don't have the same intensity, I feel. Looking at them, they just don't – I mean, there's only so much Enzo Martinez can do, I think. Yeah. He's a he's an incredible player. Like the guy is an elite center forward for this for this league, but it gets to a point where I think the back line just hasn't hasn't looked as good as it should be, and it takes one switch off to to allow a goal like that. And so, just overall, not playing for each other, not playing as a team, and I think it's really hurting Birmingham right now. Yeah. Oh, they need they need to win desperately, and they need some home cooking. That's for sure. Yeah, I I almost wonder if this is a result of them putting too much emphasis on the U.S. Open Cup because that'll take its toll on you. If you're playing games every weekend and now you're caught in between these Wednesday games, it can hurt. For Pittsburgh, it has not hurt. They've done really well. Uh, they beat the Crew midweek last week. Um, then they go and beat Loudon, uh, one nil away, which to be fair is not necessarily a hard away game. Probably one of the easier away games that you can have this season, but it's still like, still, you have to get the job done there. And Birmingham have been getting the job done in the cup, but they just have not been getting the job done in the league. And it goes back to, I think a conversation we had at the beginning of the season, which is do Birmingham have enough, enough depth? Uh, Pittsburgh, we had some issues with, and then they immediately, when they were having some problems to begin the year, they re-signed Danny Griffin, and it kind of fixed that. And while Danny Griffin is not always the answer, Pittsburgh have gone out and helped that, and then Birmingham really have not done much. To be completely frank, the one move that they did make is they loaned out Mateo Bunbury to Crew 2, which is not great. I know he's young, but maybe he could help now. I feel like Birmingham just need something special to come in. Maybe a trade intra-league just to freshen things up. Yeah, and I mean, literally, as you said, the depth part, I was just thinking, like, man, Pittsburgh has depth, and Birmingham does not. And I think that's just simply the biggest difference. Uh, Pittsburgh, their ability to rotate a lineup and still have a quality, you know, uh, a lineup to put out, and still get results off of that, that is the ultimate difference maker. And so since Birmingham doesn't have really any viable options off the bench to rotate a line at midweek or anything like that, or or on a weekend when you have a cup game on like Tuesday or something like that, right? it's going to hurt you in the long run. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing. And yeah, it's just, so five, five losses in the last five to be exact. So that's, that's rough. That's on par with Loudon. And that's not a that's not a record you want to have is to be on par with Loudon. Yeah. Um, most I don't yeah. I so to kind of round back, I do think that there is concern for Birmingham going forward. They need to pick up a win first uh, not in the Open Cup. In the Open Cup would be great obviously if they can get to the I believe it's uh semifinals now after this next um, round of games, but they need a win in the league soon, or it could be a pretty rare 
at least in the past couple of years, playoff miss. Although we're like one third of the way through the season, but these trends continue. We saw that. So yeah, I'd be worried. I think, I think they really do need a win next time out and they really need to make a signing or two here and there just so they can plug those gaps when needed uh, in, in league play. So that way they can give some guys some time off and, and all that stuff. So it's just, it's, it's, it's really important because also we're seeing with us right now, right? Uh, Just, I mean, we have depth obviously, but uh, on the back line, especially last year, we didn't have a whole lot of depth and that really hurt us in the long run. So it's just super important, super, super important. And also for Detroit, um, currently 10th place, 11 points, 12 games played, only one point out of the playoffs. Yeah, that's pretty so, remarkable. For for the start they had and for the fact they don't have a true true center forward, like here they are. The Northern Guard will take that. So, For Birmingham, I mean, like, now we're getting that point of the league season where uh, we have a bit of a summer break, which is big. Birmingham don't have another game until uh, June 17th, it is. And Detroit don't have another game until June 7th. So, Mm -hmm. Detroit, not necessarily, but Birmingham have a big opportunity to rest up and to build for their next game against Indy 11, which, to be fair, is probably a great game to have because Indy have not really been capable of scoring at all this year. We've seen that, and they've just not been able to really put together anything good in games. So, if anything, Birmingham need to win that game if they really want to rebuild off of the success that they had at the beginning of the year. Yeah, absolutely. What other game do you have for us today? Yeah, so I think uh, I was really, like, going back and forth between two games. One of those games was Oakland versus San Diego. And really, like, with that one, I think Oakland beats a really good San Diego team. And in doing so, they really just are playing in incredible form. You know what? I'm just going to I'm going to focus on that game because I think what Oakland has just they flat out just get it done again. And Johnny Rodriguez, it's it's him again. I don't know. It it couldn't have been anyone else, but I think Rito again just phenomenal. I think and as as I aforementioned with you uh um in in messages, Paul Blanchett has been absolutely incredible. The last like secretly has been one of the better goalkeepers this year. Absolutely. Like he has just been unbelievable. And I I just I I can't say enough about what he has done for he's he kept them if he if he's not in goal, like that's easily like five for San Diego right there. (laughs) That's that's (laughs) that's that that's how uh, many saves he made. Okay, maybe it's maybe not five, but it's at least three, I think. Um so he has been incredible, and who knows, Paul Blanchett for MVP? Why Maybe. Not? Could be goalkeeper of the year, to be completely honest. Um, I definitely agree. This is an Oakland team that is evolving. Uh, it's a not majority same roster, but it's the same kind of roster build that they've gone for, I feel, every season. Um, and this time, it's just working. And 
I love that. I mean, Formella, after coming over from Sacramento, has really found his um footing here. Paul Blanchett, like you said, absolutely fantastic. Edgardo Rito really coming into his own. I mean, you can really pick out any player on this team and just being like, they are the reason. To be completely honest, because as a collective, it just feels like a different Oakland team this year. Um, I don't, and I, I honestly see them going farther. Like, this feels like now an Oakland team that is building for third or fourth in the West. Not the sixth or seventh, just edging it into the playoffs kind of deal that you would have said maybe last year or even in like 2021. This feels like an Oakland team that can push the boundaries of not necessarily their roster because their roster clearly is good enough, but of past expectations. Because I mean, yeah. like, I would be like, as a fan, as a player now, I'd be hungry to like beat out a switchbacks team or a loyal team to that third spot because they are, they're on their way there. Yeah. And currently sitting fifth in the West, 17 points with a game in hand on San Diego and San Antonio. So they are absolutely a team to look out for. And I mean, this is this is the only point of concern for me as a Monterey BSC fan is the fact that they even have like a game in hand on us. We're four behind. So, I mean, we play them come July 15th. That's going to be a big match. And I think also like uh, Formella has been very underrated this season. Yeah. He's doing a great job with his hold up play. And on the, on those counterattacks, he looks extremely dangerous. So I think he's not, He's also not being talked about enough, and he's a just yeah he's a great number nine. There's a lot of Oakland players that are not being talked about enough. Um, I know obviously the league tries to do their best about covering teams, but I, it always feels like the same kind of teams get attention because it's very similar to a lot of other leagues where you know like the bigger markets with all the fans and all of that get attention and all the beginning clubs you know like the Charleston who are here at the beginning. Um, get the attention as well. Not saying Charleston aren't a big club, but you know, Louisville and all that in Sacramento who get like, you know, upper seven, eight thousands every week. While they are good, obviously, you know, Charleston lead the East now and all that good stuff. But Oakland have been sneakily under the radar. It feels like for the longest time now, not only for the league, but also for their play. And this San Diego loyal win, I feel like puts them forward. Because last season, we can always compare to last season. Last season, they probably draw this game like nil-nil or something like that. Off the back of Planchette's fantastic game. But now they build off of that. They go forward. They win 2-0. It's great to see them actually moving forward. That's what you love to see in this league as well, is that teams take what wasn't working, they fix it, take what was working, and they build upon it. And Oakland, they didn't exactly do that their first three-ish years in existence. Now it feels like they finally have a foothold on this league. And it's great to watch now, to be completely honest. And it's really showing. So I think I think what they're doing, they're building something for the future. And they're really just establishing their identity. And yes, while they play slow and, and boring, they they finish. They finish really well in the box too. Johnny Rodriguez is is He's very clinical. So, and we saw that too, makes a great run off the back shoulder of Adams. So, finishes very nicely. And yeah, 
that's just Oakland in a nutshell. It is. Um, and one more thing before we move on to the next game. They're, they faced a lot of adversity, at least in the stadium department this year. You know, they have to have, have had to move around a couple of times. And to find themselves where they are now, I think it just shows that this team is determined as well. More so a determined team than we've seen. Um, so props to Oakland. I, I honestly hope that we see them push for the top of the West. I know as a Monterey Bay fan, maybe you don't feel the same, but you know, as a fan of the league in general, I think Oakland's success now is great. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, we're not like super, I mean, we're technically rivals, I guess you could say. Instant lot, rivals. Yeah. A lot of their fans are super nice, super kind. And it's, it's really just a pleasure talking with them. Uh, Cause they actually kind of help us as a, as a supporters group, and they always have a representative that comes down for for our games, which is really pretty cool. Uh, just kind of, you know, helping us with come up, coming up with chants and all that stuff. So they're they're really cool people. It's not it's not a Oakland Roots uh, Sacramento relationship at all. So, <laughs> um, yeah, our our biggest thing is hospitality, and I think we do a good job of that. That's awesome. Speaking of Sacramento, uh, we'll go to our. Next game. I was honestly, I'm flipping between two here. Sacramento Hartford is an honorable mention, not necessarily because of the scoreline or whatnot. I just think it's, well, it is kind of because of the scoreline, to be honest. I don't think I would have expected Hartford after what they've been able to do, at least in the past couple of games, to come out like this against a Sacramento team that they know is good. But I'm putting it on the honorable mentions here because Sacramento are now running away with the West to some extent. they uh, El Paso have a game in hand. Um, they can make it a two-point gap if they win that game in hand. But, I mean, Sacramento still only have one loss on the season to Orange County of all teams. So, But the game I'm going to pick is Louisville-Tulsa. I mean, this is a Tulsa team that Versus has it. been Louisville-Tulsa Louisville, Louisville. Tulsa from Wednesday. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, no, yeah. I was that's <laughs> I was like because I because oh there it goes the USL app is glitching so yeah um I've gone Louisville Tulsa purely because this is the first game we've seen Philip Goodrum in a new setting and Tulsa with something up top that's different and in the first game it immediately works Philip Goodrum scores the winner 89th minute Tulsa now currently sit uh eighth in the east after a pretty abysmal start to the that just shows not only that just i mean that just shows how not necessarily easy it is but how tight the east is two wins in 12 games and they sit in a playoff spot yeah that's crazy yeah i mean and talk about making an instant impact uh Early, early on, not necessarily like super dangerous in the attacking third, but as the game wore on and as Louisville got a little more tired, their attacking prowess with Goodrum really started to show, and it's a very, very well placed header. It was a, it was a second bite at the cherry, and so, you know, he's 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 really, he's really just like that guy that may have been missing, and it scares me. For the fact we play them, <laughs> yes, we do 
we we talked about how they didn't have a single win on the road so far this season. And then literally like two days later, they go out and they win their first game on the road. And let's so, just say one of the hardest places to win in the league. Absolutely. Uh, and I think also like, uh, you know, Louisville were, were missing Josh Weiner. So that may have contributed a little bit, but the back line just looked really slow and, and not, not like uh, they looked very tired and it just, it was a complete breakdown from Louisville, which we just don't normally see with them. Yeah. It was very, very out of character for them to, for that to happen, to blow a one nil lead at home because that's not the Louisville we know and love. Uh, And yeah, it was very, very uh, shocking on that part. Yeah. As like, as early as last season, we've seen Louisville be able to shut these kind of games out. And now I don't know what has switched. It's mostly the same roster as last year, to be completely honest. A couple losses here. I mean, they brought in Dylan Mares. That's more creativity in the midfield. Um, they brought in the Dutch forward. His name is escaping me right now as another option to like, yeah, to like Wilson, to Wilson Harris and to Mushigalusa and to Cameron Lancaster and all that. Uh, it feels like, a Louisville team that should have only gone from strength to strength, even if it's strength to minor strength after that. But it's very uncharacteristic for Louisville to get caught out like this late in a game at home um, and just get caught out defensively throughout most of the second half like they were on this day. I, I We've seen them pull some questionable results out of the bag this year. Um, Sacramento, El Paso, to be completely fair, like that was two games, eight nil on aggregate without scoring a goal. Um, I this fits right into it because this is a Tulsa team who had one win in eleven, and and they get one new piece. And Philip Goodrum is a great piece to have, but to have him turn around a team like that, at least for a single game, is pretty crazy. And Eric Bird gets the first goal as well, so. Big shout out to Eric Bird. I mean, he he's been on a roll this year. A lot of Tulsa players have been under the radar in terms of being good, but just not being able to be good enough to help put games away. Uh, but Louisville, it's confusing me as to what really the issue is because the roster is all there, the tactics are all there, but maybe the league has just changed so much like that to where they don't necessarily need to catch up because they're still third in the East. I don't necessarily think there's too much to be worried about, but maybe maybe a couple tweaks here and there because it's not the Louisville that we saw last year. Yeah, I think the league has adjusted to a certain extent, and now it is Louisville's turn to adjust and respond because while their position in the East is fine, albeit it's third, it's not the first place Louisville we've seen. Yeah. So there's a certain standard we come to expect with Louisville. And although they have a game in hand on Tampa Bay and uh, Charleston, Charleston is 24. So it's not going to be enough enough to make up the gap. We're, we are a third of the way through the season. So, of course, Charleston will lose a game here and there. But at the end of the day, if Louisville don't find that form they had last year, then it's not going to. It's not really going to pan out, I don't think. And in the end, Tampa Bay and Louisville will meet in the Eastern Conference Final. But, like, I mean, what what else are we going to expect, right? Yeah. Uh, 
Tampa Bay is going to eliminate Charleston, of course. But um, <laughs> uh, I think also like Cameron Lancaster not being himself, it has the the team identity that was there before just isn't there. I feel, yeah. and so Cameron Lancaster not being himself. I think is contributing to that. It just doesn't have the same energy, the same feel, right? Uh, so there is something wrong with Louisville, but obviously they're not going to miss the playoffs because the, yeah, the rock is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, those are just kind of my thoughts on their situation. Before we go to break, I'll make a bit of a bold take. I don't necessarily think Louisville even get to the Eastern Conference Finals if they keep playing off and on like this. We could be seeing them in a very different setting to where they enter the playoffs having to start off with an away game. And while they are good away, I don't necessarily think I would take them away over a Pittsburgh right now or a Tampa. Maybe Charleston because Charleston have clearly show that they can be frail against a very free-flowing team. Louisville are a free-flowing team with that formation. Um, they do obviously, obviously every team at some point during a game plays long ball. That's just the state of the league right now, which is fine. Long ball route one does work, but Louisville are definitely one of the more fluid teams in the league. So maybe Charleston, I would trust them to be away from home, but Tampa or Pittsburgh, I can't say I would to be completely honest right now, maybe more. So I think Pittsburgh is probably one of the top teams based off of pure form right now that I would take over any team at home. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or, or even Memphis, like Memphis is, they're on a roll. I mean, four wins in the last five. The other one was a draw three wins in the last three. And they've only played nine matches. So That's crazy. Nine games. And it's all, it's already <laughs> the end of May. So they have four games in hand on Birmingham, and they also have three games in hand on Charleston. So, lo and behold, Memphis somehow like wins the next three. They would be level with Charleston. On- <laughs> the fact that <laughs> the fact that Memphis have only lost twice this season does not feel right. It feels like we were talking too much shit on them for them to have only lost two games. Memphis fans, I'm sorry, okay? I just didn't... I wasn't quite looking close enough, all right? You're legit. To an extent. But, like, right now, even Memphis could give Louisville a run for their money. So, uh, yeah, I I mean, there you go. That's just kind of... That's just kind of state Louisville's in right now. Yeah. I'm I'm flabbergasted. I hope Louisville Louisville pick it up because it's fun to watch them play at their best. But, honestly, a part of me is just like, we need a changing of the guard at the top of the East and Louisville, you know, falling to about a sixth, fifth spot. Wouldn't be too devastating. Let a, let a Memphis, although Memphis had it last year, you know, let a, let a Tulsa have a comeback. Let them get fourth. They're not going to get fourth. I can tell you that right now. They do not have the defensive capabilities and, you know, Philip Goodrum one off right now is cool, but can he keep that up after the start he had with Memphis? We'll see. So, yeah. all right, we're going to head to break. We'll be back with Open Cup and talking a bit about expansion. All right, we are back from that quick little break. We've covered the games from this past weekend, or at least a couple of them. Um, we're moving on to the Open Cup. 
we still got two reps in the Open Cup. One hotter than the other. Uh, what Which game should we jump into? Which game should we jump into? We have one away game, which looks a tasty affair. We have one home game, which also looks a very tasty affair. I honestly think both are good levels, I think. So what do you think? What should we start with? We should start with uh, Birmingham, I think, because although they're in bad form, we kind of mentioned it in the last segment, maybe they're like building up for this cup run. Because like, why not? You made it this far. Uh, I mean, in Sacramento kind of showed it last year, right? Like, you you can you can go far in the cup, but it will probably affect your league play. Well, Sacramento doesn't make the final last year. I've said it before. They're probably easily like top three, maybe even top two in the West, because uh, it just takes so much out of you mentally and physically, as as a as a USL team. So I think Birmingham have a chance, and I think playing at home is going to help because setting a record for attendance above. 12,000, 12,000 plus was massive. And I know we said like Highmark was going to be the better home field advantage. And that was fantastic, right? Because it was a wide out as the best skyline in the, in the city. There's a damn train that goes by every minute. First minute of that game, ball goes into the river. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So, I mean, but also Birmingham was very underrated in terms of, crowd support i think for that match and i think like maybe we just underestimated the fact that it's a cup game and it's historic for the club and and all that stuff and sure while it's a forty-five thousand seat stadium yeah uh it's still they still make a lot of noise because that sound will bounce off so i think the home field advantage is going to play a key factor in that and it definitely played a key factor in in the game against charlotte it did this Birmingham team seems primed to get another 1-0 win, to be completely honest. Like, they just find some sort of ability to defend in the Open Cup. They didn't concede against Memphis. They didn't concede against Charlotte. This Miami team has is not on their A game, n- neither in the league. Uh, they've been able to get it done in the Cup, and they did it against Charleston um, 1-0 at home, you know. Not necessarily a comfort win because Charleston did cause them problems, but this will be another close game. I don't really doubt that. I I would almost go as far as this, as to say though that I don't necessarily think this is the best option for either of our representatives to go through. Um, Birmingham still scare me going forward. I don't know if again they can break down another MLS defense. And I mean, this is a inner Miami attack that is either going to field Joseph Martinez or Leo Campana as opposed to Carol Svidersky or like Andre Shinyashiki or whatever. Right. So I, it's, it's going to be a lot harder, at least. Because I think at this point in the cup, this is when the MLS teams really just start taking it seriously and yeah. they start putting out those better lineups. So I think in that aspect... I, I mean, I could see it going either way because even though Inter Miami is probably going to take it a bit more seriously, they're going to put in Shinya Shaky. They're going to they're going to put in maybe Grimeshi. Like at the same time, that Miami team has not been good in the MLS uh, to the point where it kind of gives me questions about them a lot. 
I question I questioned their ability. So like I could see Birmingham winning, even even if Miami put out a fairly strong side that night. Um so I think in the end, Birmingham could like win on penalty kicks or on extra time. I think that's what it's gonna take. Yeah. But in other instances, I think Miami probably take it like one nil or something like that. But I think Pittsburgh is gonna have a tougher time because they're on the road, because they're on F's that because they're at FC Cincinnati. And I know you're a crew fan, but FC Cincinnati <laughs> pretty much no joke. I mean, they're they're you know at the top of the east for a reason. Yeah. So that's gonna be a tough game in like FC Cincinnati, they've made a cup run before. So obviously that was a completely different team in 2016. And that earned them MLS, you know, status. Yeah. But at the same time, like they're pretty good. Uh I just don't Pittsburgh is good in attack and they're good. They're a rock solid team defensively. But that's going to be a tough task going up against that Miami team, that Cincinnati team, which, as I previously mentioned, they're probably going to take it more seriously. Yeah, because you know that's what MLS teams do now in the in the in the round of eight. So I think it's going to be a tough match, but I think Cincinnati probably take that two to one or two 0 I think that's fair. Starting off with Birmingham for me, I or for scoreline wise, I think a two all draw there, and then honestly, I would probably take. Miami there just purely because of their quality. I mean, Birmingham for as much fight as they have, and it's going to be another great night at protective. And like you said, 12 and a half thousand fans really did work to make it seem like there was like 20, 30 in that stadium. It's hard because uh, you can only get so much in this league, support in this league right now. Like obviously it's unlimited. We've seen Cincinnati growing that support, but Birmingham still have a ways to go in terms of trying to build a massive fan base to try and fill even half of protective, but they did a great job on that night to just show out and get that win. Uh, but I think it's going to be a lot tougher here. Miami, I do think have more quality. And like you said, um, I do think this is a point in the cup now where teams take it seriously. So I think this will be like a Joseph Martinez kind of Drake calendar in goal, all the starters kind of deal. For Cincinnati-Pittsburgh, here's my reason why I think Pittsburgh honestly have a shot. Cincinnati have yet to win at least a league game by more than one goal. Um, which shows that they can get the job done, but they're not necessarily putting teams away. And we've seen teams, New England at home and Columbus away, walk in, underestimate Pittsburgh, let them have the ball and just do nothing with the ball when they have it. Like New England didn't necessarily do anything with the ball. They let Pittsburgh grow into the game. Columbus just passed it on the back for like the whole first half. One bad giveaway, Pittsburgh lead. They're holding good at the back. And while Cincinnati can break down teams, no doubt, Cincinnati could easily get caught in that same trap. And Pittsburgh against the New England team, who are up there in the East around second or third, um, and Columbus, who obviously haven't been that great this year, they have the quality to shut teams down and keep them out. And I wouldn't put it past them to do it again. Because as much as I think Cincinnati would love a cup run, they have a great opportunity 
to build on their supporter shield challenge. And I would not put it past them to put more emphasis on that. So I don't think it's crazy to say that Pittsburgh go through. That second team is going to be hard to beat, though, that Cincinnati might put out. They could put out a team of starters, to be completely fair. So, But I think Pittsburgh have a better shot, in my opinion, to go through here. Yeah, and I think it's just really close. But I think the one thing that's really going to separate, because I think uh, Pittsburgh and Birmingham all have that, they both have that same mindset, I think, that you want to try and grind the team down and sit back and defend, which Pittsburgh absolutely can do. Um, I just think Birmingham playing at home is just such a big advantage uh, to the point where Pittsburgh, despite them playing on the road, despite them like, uh, you know, being able to break teams down, I think that just plays a difference. And let's get it straight. Although FC Cincinnati is like a really good team, I just don't think they're primed for like a MLS Cup run necessarily because, as you said, the the results, they've been seeing results out, but not to the level they may want to. So I don't think they'll like win MLS Cup in that aspect or anything. But overall, I think uh, Birmingham just takes a – slight edge in that aspect um but it's super close and i could absolutely like if pittsburgh goes on to win on the road i just would not be shocked because they know how to get it freaking done yes. and they've they do. done it twice so yeah there we go if there's one thing i will say it's that i think pittsburgh have been really good at making teams impatient um columbus the columbus game Columbus started off not necessarily on the front foot, but controlling the ball at least. Um, and it was a, a very rotated 11, so it's very inexperienced. So you can take it with a grain of salt and just be like, you know, they're playing against some fringe starters, some youth players, all that. But as soon as they scored that goal, it didn't really look like the crew knew what to do about it because Pittsburgh were so good in that mid to low block that they just really didn't let the crew get anywhere past the midfield line. And Pittsburgh, for what it's worth as well in the New England game, um, kept in it for the 50-ish or so minutes before they scored their goal. Daniel Griffin scores, they shut it down, just like that. Uh, Birmingham, they had Memphis in that um, third-ish round, third or fourth round, I believe. Um, Made pretty light work of that. Charlotte, bigger deal. Um, But... I don't know if they have the experience also. Cause I think, I think Miami as a team might not get as frustrated and they will just be able to play it out as compared to Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati are more likely to get frustrated by Pittsburgh's play than Miami are because Birmingham don't play like Pittsburgh. Um, and I think Miami are primed to take this Birmingham game. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the pressure of Birmingham put on uh charlotte's defense that that front line is pretty good for for birmingham and they they get the the red card to show for it uh the the second yellow to melanda which i think was pretty fair uh for for how for how birmingham was playing so in that aspect too like 
we could see Birmingham break those lines of of Miami pretty well. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to – it's probably going to go to, like, extra time, and they're going to get tired and break down at the yeah. back eventually. And just tired legs. Tired legs is going to be the key there, I think. Yeah, and I'm not necessarily in that Birmingham are going to get blown out. I'm still sticking with my, like, two-all-score line. Miami take it. But I'm just keeping with the fact that I think uh, Birmingham aren't necessarily the – best option out of the two to go forward if they do go forward obviously i'm up for it i'd love to see birmingham in the semis or you know it would be in it'd be pretty impressive but i don't know i don't necessarily see it so um we will now move on to some expansion talk we have three teams guaranteed in the coming years one for next season we've got rhode island next season We've got Milwaukee in the future, and we've got Iowa in the future as well. Queensboro, like we said at the beginning of the episode, bit iffy, not too sure. They were meant to start 2022, and then this year hasn't happened. I honestly wouldn't count on them joining the league at this point, unfortunately. It seems like more of a youth setup there, which is fine. No shame in that. But we want to take a look at teams already in the league, maybe some teams that might move on, unfortunately, to MLS. It happens. Teams get plucked. We saw it with Cincinnati, Nashville recently, all of that, Austin. Um, so it's unfortunate, but it happens. And maybe some areas that could be primed for a expansion team. We're not really we're not starting into any rumors, anything, just speculating on areas that might make a good location. But we'll start off with teams already here who seem like with good support, good results, continued growth in the area could be set for a MLS team. We'll just go one each because if you go farther than that, you could honestly make a case for any team. Um, but what what do you think? What's your number one team that you think could make that next step soon? I think just the 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 fact uh Sacramento Republic uh you know didn't get in that one time. It really gyps me like the fact that this investor backs out at the last minute and you know he's their main investor he's he's the guy that's going to see them over the line into mls status and then they go out and they say all right we didn't our investor backed out all this stuff let's go out and prove that we are you know capable not only not even as a fan base but also capable on the pitch as well of being an MLS team. I think they've done a great job of that. It, it hasn't just been the fan support because the fans, they come out in droves they do. and they have an incredible fan base. The Tower Bridge Battalion, you know, like I look at our supporters section, right? And it's decent, decently sized, probably about maybe five, 400, 500 people. If you've ever been to like Sacramento uh, at Heart Health, that stand, that supporter stand, it's at least triple the size, maybe, of, of ours, which is just like, it's like, it sits at least a thousand people. It's, it is crazy. And so, I mean, just like the amount of support they get, but then also like their ability to sign top quality players and get results, which is happening, and be competitive is something that 
really puts them over, over the line for me personally. And also the fact that they've done this Open Cup run. They've shown they can be competitive against teams like uh, like Orlando City, even though they lost in the final, uh, against Sporting Kansas City, even though Sporting Kansas City are pretty trash. Um, but <laughs> at, at the end of the day, they just – they really – never failed to to surprise me because yeah. they're they're what I come to expect and they're a model USL championship club that you know any team should aspire to be to try and get to the next level. Absolutely. I, I think not necessarily a lot of USL championship teams, but a lot of teams in general who have that opportunity to make the next step and then get denied that crumble. But they've turned it around and they've made it a new opportunity. And this year feels like the culmination of all of that work. I mean, last year, if they would have won the cup, you could have say that would be the culmination of them getting denied the entry or just having the owner back out. And then they lose their spot. They're down in the dumpster, like what we could have had. But the USL championship is still a great league. Obviously that's why we covered. That's why we watch it every week. We love it. It's special. And they take their chances here. They had that one to run out. Now they're top of the West. And like you said, a model championship team, they know how to build a roster. I mean, they've moved on from players like Cameron Iwasa, Eni Voltson, Darius Formella up top. And it feels like they haven't really skipped a beat. Obviously, those are all legends in their own right and whatnot of this team. And maybe I'm not saying Russell Ciceroni is right now, but he is on fire. And a transition like that, moving from top forwards to top forwards and just all the way down the roster to like Danny Vitiel and all that and having brought him in, all that stuff. Really, really big stuff. I have to agree. I think Sacramento is definitely up there in terms of one that I would be sorely missing if they did leave because what they've built here is special and to get like to be one of the first teams, I believe since it was 2008 to reach the U.S. Open Cup final it's just those stories are awesome. This league is awesome. The league would still be awesome without Sacramento, but they just make the league that much better. They really do. Yeah, they would be they would be sorely missed. That is for sure. And Mark Briggs is an incredible manager too. I think the the uh you know they always use the term the indomitable indomitable team. Um, he just he he coaches them so well to the point where they are that indomitable team. So he's, yeah, he's good. I can't say enough about him. I definitely think if he keeps it up this season, pushes on in the next season, we see him get poached by another team, to be completely honest. There are some MLS teams who I'm sure right now would be very happy with him at the helm, to be completely honest. And we haven't really seen teams dip into... um. The USL Championship for managers, to be completely fair. So I think if there's any manager that starts off that trend, it's Mark Briggs. So for mine, I've gone, I've picked, I'm flipping between three again. Uh, one is more recent. Um, I, I sounded like I said two and three. I'm flipping between two. Um, more recent, um, Pittsburgh, purely because of, I feel like they've, after this open cup game against the crew, they're at least themselves trying to build a rivalry between themselves and the crew. 
And I just think there's so many options for a interstate rivalry between the Philadelphia Union and them um, and a rivalry between Columbus and Pittsburgh. I mean, that Columbus-Pittsburgh rivalry goes farther than just this one Open Cup game. It's a big thing in the NHL between the Blue Jackets and the Penguins. It's a big thing in Northern and Southern Ohio between the Bengals and Browns and the Steelers. And I feel like this could be another chapter. And I feel like if Pittsburgh get that chance, it could be something. But I'm going to go for the obvious here. It's Louisville. Um, What they've built is the model USL championship team. Sacramento are very close, but Louisville have done it. And I think the culmination of that is Lynn Family Stadium. Um. I don't think they could play in that stadium right now because I think it's a bit too small. But it is built like exactly like PayPal Park in San Jose with that open concept on the one side that um, they have the standing wall, which San Jose don't have. San Jose have a very small section down there um, at the bottom. So, I mean, Louisville are already beating them on that. So maybe they would be allowed to play there. But I mean, in terms of the product they put on the field, the management, um, the facilities, the staff, it's all there. It's like watching a mini MLS team every week, to be completely honest. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of what separates Louisville from Sacramento, uh, even though I think Sacramento have kind of, uh, even though Louisville have obviously won more championships in the past, like three years, Sacramento have probably been the better team. Almost. It's super close because like, you know, we don't want to choose because they're two great teams. Um, but the, the, the biggest factor is land family stadium. It's also just not the fact that it seats 11,000 people. It's the fact that they can build on top of that. That is the key because they can very easily expand the capacity of that stadium. It is built exactly to do so, especially with the open end right there at the, at the at that far at that other at the on the left side of the pitch. So I think the team play, the fact that they can build on top of it, the fact that they already have an eleven thousand seat capacity stadium, they're probably the top option at the moment. Absolutely. Um I mean I, w- I was at Lynn Family Stadium last summer. It's crazy how it is. Um so I definitely think Louisville are the prime option. I think Louisville and Sacramento are the one of only two, three, four options. I don't know if there's any other teams I would necessarily pick to hop into the league. Maybe Tampa Bay. I mean, Al Lang is, I love it, but I don't know what else. I honestly don't know what else. Yeah. San Antonio. Yeah. There's some honorable mentions for sure. I think San Antonio is probably next on the list because kind of this, it's kind of the same thing with Louisville because uh, they can expand on that stadium. And even though it's like nine, a 9,000 seater or something like that, they can build on top of that, which is, which is pretty cool. Uh, a couple of honorable mentions is Phoenix. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Phoenix have a great fan base. The biggest concern with them is can they get a stadium project done? And that that's obviously always the biggest roadblock in terms of like, uh, you know, gaining MLS status. Uh, can you build that stadium, that soccer-specific stadium, and meet the requirements 
uh, to to get into MLS. And the second honorable mention is New Mexico United because the, I mean, just the the pull they have in that community. It's the only soccer team in New Mexico. So the fan base they have is quite massive. Uh, it's pretty much the whole state. Uh, and get, having like 15,000 fans at that stadium is truly a sight to see. Uh, but again, it's it's the same thing as Phoenix. Can they get that stadium project done, which is moving along much slower than Phoenix is, I believe. Um, Phoenix is getting there, sort of, uh, from, from the news I've seen. But New Mexico is just moving too slow at the moment, I think. So either way, I don't think they're going to get in anytime soon, unfortunately. But Phoenix would be a great market, I think. Yeah. And so would New Mexico. And for New Mexico, I think it's also the fact that you said the only soccer team. I believe it's the only professional team in the state for any sport. So that is a big draw. Uh, I was also going to say Las Vegas. Not necessarily a... Obviously, that is a very um, like nice-looking opportunity. But I think the lights need to build more as a team, as a fan base. I think it's dwindling a little bit because of the results right now, which is understandable. But... I think it's too big of a project and too expensive to honestly move to Las Vegas right now because you don't know what you're going to get there. Not yet. The product there needs to improve before I wholeheartedly think a owner makes a move for Las Vegas because it's like one of the only big markets left. Like you've got Las Vegas, Phoenix, Sacramento, San Diego's already taken. There's only a handful of big markets. And I don't necessarily think the product is ready for Las Vegas. I don't know if it will be by the time MLS is done expanding, to be completely honest. Yeah. I think the biggest thing Vegas has going for them is, and they're kind of like, they are definitely like, I think in the top eight per se, in terms of, in terms of teams that could potentially get in. But I think the thing that puts them over the top in that, in that aspect, what gets them into the top eight is the fact that their fan base continues to show up. That is, yeah. I think the fan base's loyalty is 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 shining through the team's play and the relatively bad stadium that they have, even though they've tried their best, I think. Um, so I think in that aspect, they have something going for them. But just overall, uh, it's it would be a negative move for the league and they need to build more, Las Vegas does. They really do. So that's who we think could make the move. We're running out a bit of uh running a bit out of time here. Move it along a little bit. Um, who do you what city do you think would be a prime spot for that hasn't been touched by the USL market yet? What city do you think could be next up? So I, you know, previously this I did a I did a bit of research, uh, you know, and I think I found like two cities but i think one is more uh i guess likely per se than the other because it is untouched pretty pretty much i i think um it does have a lot of teams in that region and the city uh, i'm referring to is baltimore i think baltimore is a very a very prime place i think because we've seen the amount of support that teams get up there in new england and it's very, very good. And the other the other city I had was Fort Worth. But the thing is with Fort Worth, 
it's right next to Dallas. Yeah. So I just don't know. It, it's it would be the same concept as like Miami, right? The yeah. Miami is into Miami. It would be the same concept. So a team in Fort Worth. Um, there were some interesting rending renderings, I think, for 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 stadium there. Uh, ironically, but uh, then there's obviously FC Dallas, which has a big pull in Dallas. So with Baltimore, because that market is relatively untouched, it would be overall better for the league. And I think just just overall, the the amount of success a lot of teams have had there with the pull they've had, Hartford in particular, I think Rhode Island is going to be a great, great franchise because it's going to draw people from all over the state uh, because it's a small state, but it's rich with soccer history. Uh, New England Revolution, of course. I think with all that being said, Baltimore could be a very good option for USL. I do definitely agree. I think Baltimore could be a great option. It'd be, I believe, obviously DC United is close um, and Loudoun is relatively close, but I believe it'd be the only professional uh, soccer team in Maryland. Obviously, we've got like Flower City Union and all that who play up there, but that could be a good option for me. Um, I'm kind of flipping about. I think a market untouched up in like the Pacific Northwest-ish region or like Midwest-ish region, like somewhere in Idaho or Montana to really introduce the game there, I think could be fun. Because I think if you do it right, obviously anywhere you can really get turnout. It could be like a New Mexico United kind of deal where it's the only professional team in the state. So maybe like a Boise. I think it'd be really difficult at the beginning. But the main one I've gone for is we're going to complete the trifecta in the state. We're going to go Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I I think it'd be – I don't necessarily know if Ohio is the best place to put the next like trifecta where it's like the only state that has more than two teams alongside California. But it's three big markets all right there, all on that East Coast or not East Coast, but all in that Eastern region. Um, and I think Cleveland is looking for a team that can win, to be completely honest. I think the support there would start relatively from the beginning. I know that there's already plans for some level of USL team to uh, head to Cleveland. I believe it's USL League 2. I think that goes out the door really quick because I think they'll see that there's a lot more support there for a bigger team. Absolutely. And slowly but surely, Ohio is just like turning into London, I guess, with, in terms of how many, <laughs> how many soccer teams are there. But uh, I think, yeah, that's that's definitely a very interesting. Because when I first started, I was like, well, maybe. And then as I started thinking about it, it definitely has a big, a big, uh, big market. I think with something like Boise, because I also like, because I looked at that and I was like, hmm, it's interesting because I think with Boise, you draw a lot of people from that college, I think. And like Boise State is a relatively big college. But again, as you said, and as you mentioned, like the amount of pull they would get because they would be the only professional team in that state would be big. But I just don't know if it would be bigger than Cleveland because Cleveland obviously are going to like, want that team for their own to call their own 
and not have to travel to like a Columbus or Cincinnati or something like that. So I could definitely see it going both ways, but Cleveland is probably the most likely. I do think so. And I think the culture in Boise for college sports and just Boise State and all that is a lot different than Cleveland, you know, where you can have that kind of like, obviously college sports is a completely different animal and college football is a completely different animal when that's all you've got as compared to having the Browns and the Cavs and having all of these higher level professional sports. So I think Cleveland would probably be the smarter answer, but I think it'd still be so much fun someday next six, seven years to see a Boise team, like a little rock Arkansas team somewhere that's completely untouched by soccer, having it introduced to them, not like they're cavemen who haven't seen the game before, but you know, just like a market that you wouldn't expect. And they really take the team as their own. I think that'd be fun. And just, just thinking about it though, too, um, Spokane, which uh, is going to be in USL championship. I forget what year, but they do have renderings for a stadium. I believe they set the record for most season tickets, like just sold. They haven't even released their badge or anything like that yet. And they just set the record for most requested season tickets or something like that, I believe. So that's a kind of, that's kind of a similar dynamic to Boise, I think as well, because there's obviously Gonzaga there, but I don't think it was even like, it was a lot of just regular people, not even, I mean, it was obviously college students too, but there was also a big pull with other people as well. So it could be a similar dynamic uh, with Boise, but yeah, definitely stuff to think about for the league. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's about it. That's about all we've got to be honest for today's episode. Um, obviously some new topics today. We're going to keep it going into next weekend because all we really got is games in us open cup. So we'll keep switching around every weekend. Um, and maybe a little special episode to look forward to, um, this coming week, not gonna, not gonna spoil it. You guys will just have to wait and see. So thank you for listening to episode 41. Thank you for correcting me at the beginning of the episode. We will see you guys middle of the week.